0: Restorative justice, restorative practices. How does it really work in schools, or how can a business leader address conflict and culture issues within their company?
1: We've been implementing and training restorative practices for over 10 years. We invite you to join us in discussion around classroom and community circles, conferences, and implementation strategies.
0: Just like you, we live this every day and always strive for what's best for students, staff, and communities. We are the RJ Solution. Join us for
1: an entertaining and informative podcast.
0: Welcome to another special edition of the RJ solution restorative practices today we have one of our associate trainers, Melissa Karp and Melissa go ahead and take it away.
1: Hi. um, So I'm Melissa as um, Jen said, and I have been in the education business for about 28 years. Um, about 10 of those um, utilizing restorative practices. Um, I've been an assistant principal, a principal, a teacher, um, all while using restorative practices and specifically worked at a school that had a program for students with significant emotional disabilities. Um, So today I'm gonna be talking just a little bit about um, restorative dialogue, um, which can include, um, affective questions and affective statements and, and the ability to weave in the restorative questions that you would use in a formal conference. So um, restorative dialogue is informal and it is partly about how you approach a student in the moment during a situation. Um, so, and it's partly about what you say when you are having that conversation. So first the approach being that you recognize and acknowledge that a student is not in a great space at that moment, they could be escalated, upset, frustrated. You acknowledge and kind of tap into that emotional piece through affective statements or affective questions like how are you feeling? Where I notice you're feeling frustrated. The goal is to help that student um, build perspective. So you're gonna move in those conversations with asking that student, like what happened? Like you would do in a conference, what happened? What's going on here? Can you explain to me how you got to this place where you're feeling so frustrated? Um, Asking them to recognize um, how they felt when those things happened, how they thought someone else might feel. The goal then is to move into asking or helping that student take responsibility and figure out um, a different plan for that scenario the next time it happens. So when, as a principal, when I use these um, restorative dialogues with students, they would be in the moment, I might be hanging out in a classroom with a student that um, you know, did have some significant needs um, and struggled with um, both social and academic situations in the classroom. And maybe I might, you know, step aside with that student in the moment and help them deescalate and help them reintegrate back into class by having just an in the moment conversation that helped them recognize their own behaviors take responsibility and then access strategies that they already had in their toolkit to help them get back on track. So. The restorative dialogue is a high level skill, although it's also informal. So the goal is to have your whole school, your staff members, your office staff, your social workers, your special ed teachers, your classroom teachers, all kind of able to approach kids in this kind of very positive, nurturing, supportive way and help that student get to a place where they can take responsibility, repair harm and move forward.
0: All right, so not to put you on the spot or anything, but can you think off the top of your head, uh, walking um, our folks through a specific example?
1: Absolutely. So, um, although I have a, I have. Had a program for students with um, significant emotional disabilities this particular student's example is actually a gen ed student and he was a kindergartner um, and he started out the school year right in the first week telling his teacher he was going to kill her and he hated school and he hated everything about school and he really struggled with um, with the structure of kindergarten with accepting um, limitations with accepting no and so what we did was um, in addition to a lot of other supports we were having with the student I spent a good portion of the morning in kindergarten um, and so that I could intentionally do those in the moment restorative conversations with this particular student so as I was observing him when he would escalate with his partner during like intervention time, right? So they're doing all their work and kids are working in partners and they're working in small groups and the teacher's over there with a bunch of kids working in a small group. Um, I could watch the student become frustrated by peer-to-peer interaction where he didn't like what a peer was doing and he couldn't find a positive way to, to get the peer to stop. So interrupting the path of escalation where he usually would end up punching them like in the head or something um, I would you know kind of interrupt that thought process of him and immediately ask him to like acknowledge how he was feeling we would I would take him through the questions what's going on in this situation well why are you know so she's making you really frustrated what could you do? so that you don't end up hitting her and then you're the one that ends up getting into trouble and maybe missing part of recess or having to talk to the teacher. And we would walk through those things. And at the beginning, he would turn his face away from me. He he didn't want to have that conversation. He would get very red. Sometimes he would cry, but he wouldn't talk. He would be very unhappy. But as long as I did that consistently over and over again, by the third, second or third day, he was like able to kind of like take that breath himself and talk to me about what was going on and then re-enter the activity with his peer without there being any hitting or, or name calling or screaming. And that was, um, you know, very successful for him. In fact, that student became um, an absolute joy, loved school, loved being there. He just had a rough start at the beginning, kind of figuring out how do I navigate this world of school? Um, But by being there in the moment, as something that maybe a classroom teacher, particularly a kindergarten teacher at the beginning of the year, which like wild kittens running around your room, um, doesn't have the time to do that. But I knew I could see it in this child when I did talk to him officially like in the principal's office, he absolutely had that ability to participate in restorative dialogues and conversations with me. So I just used that ability and we pushed, I pushed it into the classroom and we just started, that's how we talked to him. And it was exceedingly successful along with the other things that we as a, a staff built to help and support this kid. And he, to this day is still doing very well.
0: That's awesome, I love that example. One other thing, putting you on the spot again, um, especially for our participants who are working with young elementary students, can you think of an example of any uh, conference? I know that we're talking about restorative dialogue, but I'm just curious um, about any conferences that you can remember that you did with Littles.
1: Oh, I did conferences with all Littles. I started conferencing with kids when they were in kindergarten between teacher and student. Um, and peer and peer. Um, So um, frequently, I'll I'll be honest, I would, um, you know, I would do things a little bit differently. So sometimes we would just sit in the hallway on the floor. We were almost always all on the floor. It was, we always tried to create it, um, you know, an environment for the littles that weren't, wasn't scary. It wasn't in my office. We would, we had a classroom that we set up that had know little poofs that they could sit on and you know like a little fuzzy carpet and we would all get a spot and um sit on the floor together and you know we used a little bit of a different um form to capture what the kids were saying it's a little bit more work in the beginning to get students to talk that way um in a restorative way but um you know by the time they got to you know you know, the middle of first grade or, you know, the end of kindergarten, they would be asking for restorative conferences on their own in order to repair um, harm with friends. So, you know, you just kind of have to dive in with the little ones and remember that you don't want them to feel afraid to speak. You sometimes have to ask more follow up questions within the conference. So. You know, a typical one that we would do in elementary, as any elementary teacher will relate to, is um, with little kids like third grade and under is recess issues around, he wouldn't play with me, right? So kid A wants to play with kid B. Kid B wants to play with other people and says, no, buzz off, I don't wanna play with you. Well, kid A doesn't know how to deal with that. So kid A just follows kid B everywhere they go on the playground. And eventually kid B gets so annoyed, they turn around, push kid A, hit kid A, Throw sand in kid A's face, and now everybody is upset. And so those conferences would, you know, would be, you know, helping them understand um, that you know kid B doesn't have to play with you every day at recess. But but maybe we could make a plan for when we can play together. Uh, maybe we can ask at the beginning of the day so that they can make a plan. And so we would we would talk through those things. Um, helping students understand that it's okay for people to make choices that you don't like. Um, and that's that's hard for lower elementary kids because they are used to that absolute of everyone will be your friend as long as you're nice. And that just isn't true. Um, and so we help kids learn to accept those things through RJ conferences um, and then through proactive circles, frankly. Um, We're a really big part of the culture at my school as well to help kids talk out ideas and um, around friendship and around, um, you know, disappointment and around um, rules that they didn't like. Um, So there's a lot of kind of um, topics in elementary that where kids are really wrestling with um, living in the world of school. It's a very different place for them than they had at home. And so we spend a lot of time doing those things through circles through dialogues and through official conferences.
0: I think that it sounds to me, and I am no elementary person for a host of different reasons, Uh, (laughs) definitely got more of the secondary personality, but it sounds like the littles could probably get a little bit deeper than people would assume.
1: Yeah, don't sell those little short, right? Like I, um, I've always been very impressed with kids' abilities to um, reflect on their own behavior, take responsibility, um, and um, come up with amazingly creative solutions about how they're gonna proceed um, to avoid those pitfalls in the future. Um, now, my students in my SCD program or my program for kids with significant emotional disabilities, that was a lot harder for them, accepting responsibility in elementary was extremely challenging for my SED kids. And, and our philosophy was like a flooding model. So if we had a student in particular who really, anytime we try to pre-conference or go to an RJ, they would just really not want to say that they did it. They wouldn't want to admit that they did something and they didn't want to take responsibility for causing harm. So what we would do is just flood that student anytime they had a peer conflict however small, they took my pencil. They wouldn't share the red crayon. Um, they got, they cut in front of me in line. Now these are serious issues for kindergartners, first graders, second graders. Little people do not want someone budding. They don't want someone, you know, getting in front of them in the lunch line, sitting where they wanted to sit on the carpet. These are big deals to them. And what I really like about restorative practices for students who struggle with those things is that, Through conversation and perspective sharing, um, they expand their worldview and they understand that like not getting to sit in that spot or because someone else is already there is something they're going to have to learn to live with, right? And move forward. And so, um, you can go very far in depth, and it I think it aids in the ability to help some of those students. recognize their own behaviors, and really learn to start taking the perspective of others, which is hard for elementary kids to do, um, and particularly kids with a disability. And so you have to do, I mean, I'm talking like they would radio me and I would run down and like media RJs, like constant all the time, as many as we could do for some of those kids, because the more they heard about their impact on others' behavior, the, the better chance we had to help them shape it. Right to help them understand that if you want friends, because they wanted friends, um, if you want friends, these are things you have to learn how to modify because you're hearing people telling you they don't like that. They don't want you hitting them in the back of the head if they've gotten in front of you in line, like you can't do that kind of stuff. So it's kind of, manner, it's almost like school 101 for them. And then we use restorative practices to help them, the ones that really struggle learn how. Um, to be successful in that social environment. It's so important, so, so important because the older they get, the harder it is to tell other children that that they have to be nice or they have to be friends with that kid or they have to play with that kid. Mm So it's our job and responsibility to find ways to teach those kids skills and RJ does a beautiful job of doing it.
0: That's awesome. I remember doing a training at an elementary school, I don't know, probably about four years ago. And about two or three weeks after the training was over, I, a, the assistant principal emailed me this picture. And it was this just a picture of the window that was in the door and then looking into the room. And you could see these two, this was fifth graders, and these two fifth graders and they were sitting at the corner of a table and there was this big white piece of paper on the table. And both of them were leaning in to this piece of paper and that's what the photograph was. And the caption that the assistant principal put on there is that these two students were having difficulty on the playground together. And the white piece of paper was a map of the playground. And they were figuring out, you know, who was gonna have what part of the playground and that was their solution. They were working on this map. So I think that you bring up a really important point in restorative practices, which is this, you know, the solution can be that we need to stay away from each other. Restorative practice isn't about, you know, it's important that we all be friends because, you know, frankly, there's, you know, whether you're in kindergarten or whether you're 45 or 50 years old, there are people that you really don't want to be friends with. And in acknowledging that with students, even that age, that, you know what, it's, it's, it's okay if you don't want to be friends. What we're trying to do is figure out how you don't get back into conflict Um, again. But I just always thought that that was such a funny picture that it was these two fifth graders sitting there with a map of the playground in front of them. Anyway,
1: not, not foreign to me, Jen. That is absolutely, I mean, I haven't gone as far as drawing a map, but I've definitely created help kids create schedules for like triad groups of friends, like that weren't getting along. So on Mondays and Tuesdays, you're gonna play with this group and on Wednesdays and Thursdays, you're gonna play with these kids. Um, They can get very specific um, about how they're gonna go about navigating that. But I do think that message is so important, um, you know, that you have to know how to get along with people to, to, take responsibility when you've made a mistake or or done harm and then and that was one thing that i was really big on with my elementary kids and then you need to move on right mm-hmm. like then you need once you've repaired harm you need to let it go and you need to move on and move forward right and that can also be hard for some kids because they perseverate on what they've done They're, they feel guilty they feel sad Um, And so, you know, you have to help kids understand that when you've made that effort and you've taken the step to take the responsibility and show somebody that you're willing to do something to repair the harm that you've done, um, then everybody is able to let go and move forward. And so, you don't have that simmering feeling of somebody feeling like, they were wrong, and they didn't get that. Didn't get acknowledged, right? Kids, especially in elementary, and I think that is true for everybody. They want to be acknowledged that something has occurred that wasn't okay, um, and um, it, you know, elementary kids, even if they don't like that person, are always willing in the moment um, to be to go that extra mile to be kind to the person they've harmed, right? Like they do really want to um, find a way to be able to sit next to that person at circle or you know, during reading time and not have it be a problem. And so, um, you know, it's just a beautiful thing to watch kids embrace that um, and then um, start asking themselves for, for a restorative conference. I need help with this friend. Um, and, and that's when you know you, it's taken hold at your school.
0: Yeah, no, that's uh, very true. <laughs> One other thing really quick, <laughs> I didn't need for it to go on this song. One other thing really quick is I noticed, because uh, this seems to be something, you know, call me a skeptical secondary person, but that's really super prevalent in elementary school. I didn't hear you say anything about, I'm sorry, please forgive me. Tell me how that whole apology thing either does or doesn't fit in restorative practices.
1: So, yeah, I'm sorry is, um, you know, obviously I think it's sort of like kids in kindergarten knowing their ABCs and how to count. Um, you know, they can do it, but it doesn't really have any meaning for them. Um, so it's one thing to count to ten, it's another thing to be able to count ten items or hand out ten objects to somebody, and that's much harder for kids to understand conceptually. They've been trained from the time they were little to say sorry. Um, so sometimes elementary kids will offer that up as part of the solution. They think they want to just apologize and move forward. Um, But I never ask kids to do that. Um, And it is never just, that is never the solution to our our problem, right? We always get way more concrete than that. No, we really need to talk about how we're going to do something to to make sure that this doesn't happen again in the future. And sorry doesn't really cover all of that. Um, Some kids do really, you know, they do, that's a go-to in the beginning and eventually that fades out and they don't ever even talk about saying sorry because, restorative practices is far more authentic to me as an apology, so to speak, than just those two words, right, of I'm sorry, because it it really helps, it helps the, the person who was harmed, and of course, you know, we mostly know that in all of those conferences, I need to say as a side, that if, if both people have participated, we're talking about a conflict, right? We're not talking about a bullying situation where one person is clearly a perpetrator and the other person is a victim because that's a whole different story. If you participate, you call a name back, you push back, then now it's a social conflict, right? And so you have something to take responsibility for as well, not just the person you think should be the one in trouble. So we always talk about how anything that needed to happen as far as the principle goes has already occurred. This isn't about figuring out who is right or wrong. This isn't about getting someone in trouble. This is about helping us understand why this happened and how we can move forward from it. So sorry just doesn't really accomplish that. Um, and so I ne- I've never, you know, asked kids to apologize. And I also, if a kid really insists on it, then the other part I do is I train the responder to never say it's okay, yeah. because it's not okay. You say, I accept your apology. That's what you say if, you, if someone apologizes. So it just doesn't really fit with, to me, the philosophy of what restorative practices are about because it does nothing to repair harm. It just is, I'm sorry.
0: Yeah, exactly. Cool. Thank you so much, Melissa. Appreciate being with us. Have a wonderful day. And uh, yeah, we'll talk to you later.
1: Talk to you later. Okay.